0: what is it about this title, The Chosen? Why is it called The Chosen? Who is The Chosen? Because in the Bible, actually a number of people have that title of being God's chosen. It's a very biblical word. But what I do know about chosen is it evokes some emotions within us. Like if you were chosen to be on the team, you were chosen for a part in the musical, or you were chosen for that job, or you were chosen to receive this honor or this scholarship, or you were chosen to be adopted, or you were chosen to marry that man. Doesn't it evoke emotions And of all the people you chose me, there's a feeling of joy, a feeling that, that, I can't believe it, of love and peace. And God has chosen many, many different people. But I wanna begin it by sharing with you a story that Jesus told, it's a parable. It's found in the Gospels. It says this, "'And again Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, "'The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king "'who gave a wedding feast for his son, "'and he sent his servants to call those "'who were invited to the wedding feast, "'but they would not come.' Again, he sent other servants, saying, "'Tell those who are invited, "'See, I have prepared my dinner. "'My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, "'and everything is ready. "'Come to the wedding feast.' "'But they paid no attention and went off, "'one to his farm, another to his business, "'while the rest seized his servants, "'treated them shamefully, and killed them. "'The king was very angry, and he sent his troops "'and destroyed those murders and burned their city. "'Then he said to his servants, "'The wedding feast is ready, "'but those invited were not worthy.'" Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all that they found, both good and bad, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to his attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus closes with this line, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now, this, this, this parable has rich biblical meaning. It's, a, it's a really a, a story of what God was doing with his people because this king, the father, is having this celebration for his son who's going to be married to his bride, which, which throughout scripture refers to God's people. And they're gonna be united and, and yet the people that are invited to celebrate and no, should be excited about this aren't responding. I mean, they're going off to their own businesses. They're, they're working on their farm. They just don't have time for this. And so this king's very frustrated. In fact, some of those people uh, kill the messengers who are reminding people, hey, come, the wedding feast, and they kill them. And so the king's very angry and he says, okay, here's what you need to do. Go out and just start inviting people. Invite anybody. Anybody who wants to come can come. And so the, the wedding feast happens, and then there's this, this guy. By the way, it's, it's the gospel going out to all the nations. The gospel's going out to anyone who will respond. But there's a person at the wedding banquet who has these old clothes on. I mean, he never bothered to change. He's got his working clothes on. He shows up there, and the king says, you come to the wedding like this? And says, you don't belong here, and, and sends him away. Now, we're going to learn through Scripture that, that when you give your life to Christ, you're clothed. With Christ. You're clothed. That's a biblical picture for being, uh, you're putting on his righteousness like a garment. And if we try to come into God's family with our own garments, saying, Here I am, just as him, I'm a good enough person, I'm a pretty good guy, pretty good girl, and we think we're going to show up in heaven one day, God says, Uh uh-uh. uh, you've got to put on Christ, you've got to put on my righteousness. It's not gonna be based on what you do. It's based on what I've done for you and you've surrendered yourself and allowed yourself humbly to put on this garment which is my son's righteousness. But then he says at the end of this parable, many are called but few are chosen. That word call is similar to the word invitation. Many are invited but who are the chosen ones? Those are the ones who responded properly, who responded in a way that showed they understood the call, and they've, they've done what the king desired of them so that they could be present at the feast. This, um, this word chosen is sometimes translated elected. It's very similar to what we think of when we think of someone being elected. We just inaugurated a new president who was elected, chosen by the people for a role to play, to be president of the United States. And you'll find when you go through the scriptures, and I looked at every verse that had the word chose, uh, chosen in it in scripture and found this pattern to be true over and over again. That God chooses people for a reason, for a purpose, for a role to play within his big picture of what he's doing in his kingdom. So we're gonna look at a number of instances where God does this um, and ultimately leading to us. So it begins with a guy named Abraham. God chose Abraham to be the father of nations. After Adam and Eve sinned, Uh, They were cast out of the garden and mankind kind of uh, just spiraled into evil. So then God raised up a guy named Noah and God says, I'm gonna gonna save you and your family and your spouses, but the rest of the world will be wiped away. And God started over with just these eight people. And You think, okay, now let's do it the right way. Same thing happened. People began to turn away from the God, do things their own way, culminated in this event called the Tower of Babel where people said, we don't need to submit to God. We're We're gonna reach God on our own. And they tried to build this, this thing called a tower, a ziggurat, this, this thing that they could ascend with authority. And God said, I called you to spread, fill this earth, be, be fruitful and multiply, and you're rebelling against me. So God confused their languages, so they had to divide and separate. And as they separated, we learn in the book of Deuteronomy that God released them to other powers. But he says, I'm going to take one of these people to be mine and he began this process of this people that he was going to grow through a man named Abraham. Now, Abraham had a wife named Sarah. They're both very elderly, and, they've never, and they don't have children. But God says, you're gonna be the father of many nations. And Nehemiah um, refers to this in his book. Nehemiah is a character we talked about the last few weeks. He says, you are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. Ur of Chaldees was former ba- what became Babylon later on. Abraham's father was an idolater. He worshiped false gods, but God says, I'm gonna take someone out of his family. I'm gonna work with him and show this is my doing, not his. He's not necessarily a real godly man, but I'm gonna work in him and his wife, and I'm going to begin this plan of redeeming mankind. And so uh, he had a son, or they had a son, a miracle baby named Isaac. And then Isaac had kids, and one of um, his children was a guy named Jacob Jacob. Now, Jacob had this event once when he was wrestling with God, and God, um, God gave him a new name after that night. He says, from now on, you'll be called Israel, one who wrestles with God. So Israel became the name of Jacob. Jacob and Israel are the same, so sometimes you'll, they'll alternate. They'll call him Jacob, sometimes they'll call him Israel, but also Israel became his family his sons, and their families. So all through the Old Testament, you hear Israel. It's not always talking about that man Jacob. It's talking about his descendants, which were many, many people. In fact, most of the Old Testament is about this people called Israel. God chose Israel, too, to be his treasured people. It says in Deuteronomy, God says, "'You are a people holy to the Lord your God. "'The Lord your God has chosen you "'to be a people for his treasured possession. "'Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth.'" You, I've chosen you. Out of all the people, I'm going to work with you. And how am I going to work with you? You're going to belong to me. You're going to be my treasured possession. And then you are going to be holy, be separated, live for me. In fact, God says, I want you to be a kingdom of priests. I want you to be witnesses to the world. I'm going to show the world what it's like to live in a relationship with the true, living, compassionate, loving God. God. And God did that, he he provided for them, He, he fought for them, he did all these things for his people, trying to show the other nations, look what God does when people walk in relationship with him, and then his people were to be the agents to spread the word, so the other peoples would come into the fold and see how great God truly is, leave their gods behind and follow their God. But over time, they began to develop this elitist attitude of God loves us and he doesn't love you. And so in the whole book of Jonah is about that. Jonah couldn't believe God loved this repulsive people called the Ninevites and wouldn't go there. So he we, so we went on a ship and, got, and, the, and, the, and the ship was going over and he got thrown into the water. But, but they didn't love these other nations. Many of the people despised them, thought, saw them as unclean and refused to be witnesses to those nations. But among those, uh, the nations of Israel, God chose one tribe to be the priestly family. They... They were to construct this tabernacle, this house of worship, and within this tabernacle, the goats were sacrificed. <laughs> That's right, goats were sacrificed, or they were let go into the desert, one or the other, they got rid of the goats. And, and, the, and the people that were to be the pastors there, the leaders within the worship, I'm preaching, Steve, so you need to be quiet, okay? <laughs> Number 12, right down here in the front row, yeah. needs to be quiet. Ushers, guardians, would you remove him? <laughs> so so this one group of people he says you're going to be different than all the other tribes you're going to be the priestly tribe so he says of them, the lord your god has chosen him meaning levi and his family out of all the tribes to stand and minister in the name of the lord him and his sons for all all time so you're seeing already this pattern developing god chooses but god chooses for a reason See, there's, there's a view sometimes that just because God chooses, then, then everything's good to go. There's no response. It's unconditional. But there is. There's a responsibility to fulfill. We're, we are not, and people are not like coins or stamps that you just collect. God chooses that one. God chooses that one, gathers them in. I, I got a bunch for myself. God said, no, I, I've choos, chosen you to be something or to, to be someone in this world for my purposes. And ironically, out of this priestly tribe, um, There were all these priests, generation after generation, but the great high priest that was to come, Jesus Christ, didn't come from Levi. He was from the kingly tribe of Judah. And Jesus became the ultimate chosen one. God chose Jesus to be our savior. And Jesus knew that all through his life. He knew that God had his hand upon him, that he was filled with the spirit for a specific role. When Jesus began his ministry, his public ministry, went into a synagogue, took a scroll, unrolled it, found the place in the book of Isaiah where this scripture is written, behold my servant, he read this to the audience, behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, he will bring forth justice to the nations. That's the first verse of Isaiah chapter 42. When Jesus finished reading that, he said, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I'm that guy. I'm the chosen one. Ta-da. You know, and they go, What? Right here in flesh and blood, he goes, yes. And then he began to live out his life. He sometimes was called Lord, uh, the anointed one, or the Christ, uh, the Son of God, which is another messianic term. And on occasion, he was called the chosen one. In fact, when he was on the cross, uh, someone said this about him. The people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And he was, he was chosen for a reason to bear our sins on a cross, to die so we can be reconciled with God, and then to rise from the dead and prove that he has authority over every other power on this earth. God chose Jesus. So you could say, who's the chosen? It's Jesus. But But it goes even beyond that because Jesus did some choosing. Jesus chose some disciples, 12 disciples to be with him. Over the course of several weeks, maybe months, he called different individuals to follow. Now, Jesus had a lot of disciples, hundreds of disciples, but there were 12 that he designated apostles. They were to be with him, to learn from him, and then to go out for him. And you know the names of many of those apostles, James, John, Peter, Matthew. The word apostle means one who is sent, apostello is a Greek word. It's like an ambassador. They go out to represent the one who sent them. So these disciples are being prepared to be ambassadors for the Lord. Now, just because they were chosen by Jesus didn't mean they were successful in doing it because one of those... Ended up betraying Jesus, Judas. And it's not like Jesus was surprised. He knew this capability from the beginning. It it says in the scripture, first of all, that he chose those disciples, Luke 6.13, but then in John 6.70, did I not choose you the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil? One of you. Does that mean God made him to be a devil? God made him to be evil? No. But he knew that was his heart. And we find out later that it was Judas who opened his heart for Satan to enter in to ultimately betray the chosen one of God. And so he had a choice. And later he was repentant from what he did, but it was, it was too late, he was sorrowful. We have a choice to listen, to respond when God chooses us. God chose Paul then, years later, to be his instrument. Saul was his name, actually. He was an up-and-coming Jewish leader, a Pharisee, highly educated, uh, very energetic, but he had a hatred toward Christians. He just hated Christians. They were like cockroaches that needed to be exterminated. And one time on a trip to go to Damascus to get rid of the Christians there, God um, stopped him in his track. There was a, uh, like a bright light from heaven that shone in his face. He became blind and he stopped and then Jesus spoke to him. And for three days he was blind until Jesus called a man named Ananias to go and minister to Saul and to let him know that his name was going to be different. And in this uh, process, when Ananias went to speak to Saul, he said this, the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. He is to be my chosen, what? Instrument. It's like a surgeon. Surgeon has a whole bunch of instruments laid out and depending on the surgery says, I need that specific instrument to do this specific job. I just saw the dentist a few weeks ago got another root canal. And uh, I just know they're always reaching for different instruments. And praise God, they do the right one. They use the right one. Some of us just like think a hammer and scissors does everything, they don't. You know, there, there's instruments you play, there's instruments you use, instruments that an artist uses. They're all specific. God says, you know what? This guy here, Saul, I'm gonna grab a hold of him because he has qualities that will make him a great ambassador for me. Because I want this gospel to get out to the whole world and the disciples, to be honest, are taking a long time doing it. So, so Saul became the, the, the apostle who had a primary mission of getting the gospel out to the Gentile nations. And aren't you glad because that's us too. The gospel got out of Israel, got out of Judea and Samaria, got to the ends of the earth, and we have now heard it. It's because of this chosen instrument, God chose Paul. And ultimately, through the gospel that has gone out from people like him, He lets us know that he chooses us because God chose us to be in Christ. Paul wrote in his letter to the Thessalonians For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. You. He's chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. See, when when he preached the gospel, there were people who heard the invitation and responded because their hearts were so moved. And they gave their lives to Christ. And Paul said, because of how you responded, of the impact the Holy Spirit made on you, you are chosen. You demonstrated that you are part of his chosen. You surrendered to Jesus. You put on his robe of righteousness. And and God chose him to be in Christ, In in Ephesians chapter one, it says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. God chooses us to be in such a a tight relationship with Jesus. We don't just know about him as a historical figure or someone in the distance. We know him so intimately, it's called being in Christ. In fact, the Bible says that we're in Christ and Christ is in us. Both. Which is it? Is he in us or are we in him? It'd be like if you're in a, you're in a, some fresh water and it's so, so good that you're drinking it, that the water is entering me, but I'm in the water. It's like I am living in Christ. He is all around me and yet I am in Him. How can you be any closer than that? God desires that for each one of us to be in Christ, to live our lives for Christ, to be part of His family, to walk in that deep relation all the way through the rest of our lives until we go to be in His presence in heaven. Now in the book of Revelation, there's this This war that breaks out. It's a picture of a war that's going to happen in the future where the enemies of God rise up against against him. And they make war against him and his people. But Jesus arrives like a superhero to save the day. And it says this in Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. They will make war on the Lamb, that's Jesus Christ, and the Lamb will conquer them, for he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. Called and chosen and faithful. Think about that. That just illustrates the process. These are the people who God invited, who heard the message, knew that God loved them, who responded to it, who surrendered their lives to Christ, who put on the robe of righteousness. says that when we're baptized into Christ, we put on Christ. We're chosen by Him. And then we walk with Him in faithfulness throughout our lives. It's more than just making a decision for Jesus. It's living your life for Jesus. And see, when when Jesus comes, he's gonna know pretty clearly who are his. He's not gonna look at baptismal records. He's not gonna look at um, church attendance patterns. He's gonna look at faithfulness because that's the ultimate test, faithfulness. God calls us to be faithful. In May this year, my wife and I will be married 34 years. 34 years. Yep, I, I celebrate that too. But I'll tell you, Our relationship really became serious when I invited her to be my wife. And then she said yes. And when we got married, that was the choice to take take her as my wife, for her to take me as her husband. That that, That was the choice, that we were chosen then. Set apart from everybody else. I belong to you, you belong to me. But I'll tell you this, as important as that day was, it's been important that every single day since then that I choose her. Because there's a lot of temptations and there's a lot of things that can discourage you in a marriage. And you can know as good as I know that, that you have to choose that person over and over and over again. You don't just make one choice when you're getting married, it's a daily choice, right? Same thing with Jesus. You don't just choose to get baptized and then it's all done. No, no. That begins the daily choosing. And you know what 2020 has done to us? 2020 has caused many of us to drift. We've drifted. We've drifted from fellowship with other brothers and sisters. I I know that many of us have been online, but even online, many of us have have had opportunities to connect with people through the phone and other ways we haven't. Some of us have disconnected from the scriptures. Some of us haven't been serving the Lord at all. Some of us haven't been giving at all. Some of us have really taken a a dive in our prayer life. I just want to challenge you. Are you being faithful to the one you pledged your life to? God calls us to be faithful. There was a time in the Old Testament that that i just share in a second. Let me go back a little bit. If you want to rehearse all these verses we looked at, God has chosen one man named Abraham through whom he brought a chosen family. And out of that chosen family was birthed a Messiah, the chosen one, who chose to do God's will so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be his chosen people God has chosen you. That's the gospel message. For God so loved the world. That God desires that no one perish, but all come to repentance. He's chosen you. Real question is, have you chosen him? Have you chosen him? In the Old Testament, there's a story of Joshua taking people who've wandered for many years, not just physically, but spiritually wandered. It says, guys, we're getting ready to go into the promised land, but, but today's a new day. We're starting to go forward in a new way. And it's going to be up to you to make a decision this day. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. He says, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's my choice, Joshua says. Now what's your choice? Who are you going to choose? This is a day to draw a line in the sand. When I look forward uh, to where we're going individually, to where we're going as a church, to who I want to be in this country that we live in, I want to make it known I'm going to live for Jesus and I urge you to do the same to make today a day where you just get back if you've never given your life to Jesus this is a great day to start Jesus from this day forward I'm going to live for you I'm going to surrender my life to you I I want to have my sins washed away I want to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ I want to walk with Jesus but for many of us in this room today's a day to recommit your faithfulness to Him say Jesus you know I have wandered I have strayed I've, I've dallied around in some other things, but today I'm going to get back. For the next 10 weeks, hopefully beyond that, but for the next 10 weeks, I'm going to be focused on Jesus, to know Him, to love Him more than ever before. Will you do that? I'm going to ask you to stand with me, because we're going to to pray. And here's what I want you to do. We did this Wednesday night. It was very powerful, so I'm going to ask you to join in with us, and you can even do this at home. I'm going to start praying. My commitment to the Lord and, and what I really desire to see for you, but I'm gonna ask you to pray with me, and not just in your head, but to call out to the Lord, to even lift your voice up. You can shout it out, you can whisper it out, but let the Lord know this is your desire. If you really desire to choose Jesus today, to live your life for Jesus, to be what in the chosen shows, have you ever seen the logo for the chosen? The logo for this series, they never talk about it, is a circle of fish. And there's some fish that are turquoise going the opposite direction. When you choose to follow Jesus, you go against the flow of the culture. You sometimes go against the flow of your family and your friends at school. And it's hard, but it's good, and it's the direction Jesus wants us to go. He says, I've called you to be different. Get used to different. I want you to live for me, to be my people for my purpose and my pleasure. So let's commit ourselves to that this day. Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much for being the chosen one of God, for giving your life for us on the cross. Thank you that you fight for us. Thank you that you've invited every single one of us. Not not a single person here is unworthy of your grace and goodness. You have invited us to be in your family, to have this intimate relationship with you. We praise you for that, Jesus. We thank you for that. We want to live our lives for you. Forgive us, Father, of the ways we strayed, how we've neglected our faith, how we've wandered, how we've lived in fear and worry. But Lord, we come to you today saying we love Jesus. We want to live our lives for him. We want to know him more. We want to serve him. We want to make a difference in this world for him. So today, Lord, we pound a stake in the ground. We're moving forward, We're not going back. 2021 is going to be the year that we could describe in one word, it would be Jesus. And we want to be faithful to you. We pray in Jesus' name if you agree when you shout amen. Amen, amen. Let's sing this song in praise to him.